Hey, Family Life Church, this is Pastor Clint, and I'm coming to you today because we had a little bit of a technical glitch on Sunday with uh, the message, and so I want to give you just brief context leading up to where you'll begin listening on the podcast. And so we are in the series, You're Not Far. This was week four, a series based on an interaction with Jesus that he has with a scribe from Mark chapter 12. And in this interaction, Jesus refers to the greatest commandment and also the second one and states that there are none greater than these. When the scribe responds wisely to Jesus, Jesus tells him that you're not far from the kingdom of God. Key scripture for this series is Mark 1.15. It says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel is the good news. And that good news is that the kingdom was now here and it was about embracing the new kingdom. So what we see is that in Mark chapter 3, 21 and 22, we see that Jesus's family comes to Jesus to get him. They wanted to, quote unquote, lay hold of him because he is out of his mind. That's what his family said about him as he and his disciples were around the Sea of Galilee. Now, the religious leaders of the day, they also said the same thing, but they took it a little further. They said he's possessed by demonic spirits. And so what we see is that crowds continued to gather around Jesus, and Peter describes how they tried to get away by heading to the other side of the lake. And this is where we'll pick up in this podcast, and the first line you'll hear is, and when they came out of the boat, immediately people recognized him. So I hope this gives a little bit of context and helps you out as you listen to the podcast. Thanks, you guys. It says, and when they came out of the boat, right? They cross over to the other side of the lake. And when they came out of the boat, immediately people recognized him. And they ran through the whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever he was, wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces, and they begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him, they were made well. Amen. And then we see, as we continue on into chapter 7, Mark 7, 1 through 3, says, Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. Now, when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews... Do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. Now, the religious leaders in Jerusalem, right, they knew of Jesus, and they had heard of all of these radical things that were happening, right, that that were taking place. And so they made the journey from Jerusalem, which is in the south, they made the journey north up to the Sea of Galilee or, or, or uh, Gennesaret. And so they made their way up there. And, and so if you look that up, that journey is about an 80-mile trip roughly. And so they're, taking it, they're making this 80-mile journey to come and see for themselves all of these things that are taking place and this guy who's doing some radical things and, and radical things are happening. 
And so they had kind of probably already kind of made up their mind about the things that they heard about, and they didn't like it. So, but they came and, uh, and wanted to see for themselves. And really, the aim was to find fault with Jesus or to find some sort of fault with his followers or what was taking place, what was going on. Which, how many of us know in this room that if you're looking for fault, you're probably going to find it, right? If, if you're looking for something bad or negative, you're going to find it because there's always something there. None of us are perfect, except for Jesus. But his followers were not. And so, uh, and so here they come up there, and, and I just want to say this really quick. It wasn't wrong of them to come and evaluate um, somebody's ministry, right? Evaluate what's happening. I think it's good and it's right for all of us to evaluate the ministry that's going on and, and, uh, and, and check into it and, and stuff. But, but here we see that they weren't measuring it uh, from the measure of God's word, but they were rather they were measuring their own religious traditions, right? They were, they were measuring what they found by their own religious traditions traditions. And so that was a problem. And so as they arrived, they saw some disciples eating with defiled hands or unwashed, right? Unclean hands. And so they immediately found the fault that they were looking for. Now, why and what's the big deal, right? We, we read this and we think, okay, I mean, how many of us in here have eaten without washed hands before? Probably every one of us in here. So we think, well, what's the big deal? And the big deal was that the religious leaders had these unwritten traditions or these oral laws that were passed down. And, and literally, they were passed all the way down from, from Moses, they claimed, uh, all the way down the line. And so, and so they not only had these 613 written laws, but then they also had these oral or traditions that they would pass along and hold people to as well. And so... There was a lot of things that people had to, right, a lot of hoops to jump through for people for all of these things, right? How many of us could keep 613 written laws? None of us. So in other words, here's the deal. In other words, traditions were elevated above people. Traditions were elevated above people. And guys, this was a problem. Mark 7, verses 5 through 13 we're going to read it. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, or Jesus, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And he answered and said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy? Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, right? Who likes to be called a hypocrite? Nobody. So this people honors me with their lips. This is what Isaiah wrote. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. And he said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban, that is, a gift to God. 
Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. Now, there's a lot there, okay? But here's what we see is Jesus gets right to the heart of the issue, right? He gets right to the heart of the issue. These religious leaders have found loopholes to avoid certain things that they didn't want to do. For instance, right, rather than caring for their parents who might be in need, they set aside their money for Corbin or dedicated it to God, thus avoiding having to care for their parents, now, this, that's what the idea of this Corbin was that rather than, you know, you could take something, like everything you owned, all of your, your money and the things that you had, you could take them and dedicate them as quote-unquote Corbin, which uh, means set aside or dedicated to God. And rather than using it for uh, taking care of family members and people uh, who need it, uh, you could just have it set aside and it's dedicated and you never have to give anything. You never have to use it for things that are more important. And so, again, in short, traditions were elevated above people. Traditions were elevated above people. That's right. At this point, Mark writes these words recalled by Peter, which Jesus really uh, speaks to the deepest level of man's problem. If you go just beyond here in Mark chapter 7, verse 15 says, there is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. So in other words, drinking from a polluted cup could never defile a person, right? Drinking from a polluted cup can never defile, but a polluted heart, well, that's where the defilement begins. That's where the uncleanness begins, right? It's not about a dirty cup. It's about the heart. And so when the motive is to see how far you can go and still be technically not breaking a law, you found yourself in a religious loophole life. You know, I read once that, uh, that on the Sabbath, the Pharisees, you know, there was only so far that they could go. Uh, on the Sabbath, right? They couldn't go very far from their own home. And so I read once that what they would do uh, in order to get past that, if they needed to go down somewhere and, and do something that was further than they could actually go, they would tie some string or something to their house, and then they would lay it in front of them, and they would walk on top of it to wherever they were going. And so they would go out, and they would, they would do whatever they needed to do, and then they would make their way back and technically, they didn't break any laws because the string was attached to their house. So when they went out, it was still as though they were in their house. So uh, that's a pretty big religious loophole. Now, they should have been able to go anywhere they wanted to on a Sunday anyway. But <clears throat> this, was, this was what uh, happened, or on the Sabbath and so this is what happened, and that's how they would try to get past these types of things. Now, if you've ever, has anybody looked up the word hypocrite that is used here before? Right? It's an interesting word. Uh, it's used here to refer to an actor or to someone who's wearing a mask or playing a part in some sort of 
theatrical play or something. Caring more about what's seen than what's unseen. And so he calls them a hypocrites here. And he's telling them, you guys are people who are playing a part, but you're not really what you seem, what you appear to be. And he's cutting. That, that is pretty harsh. It's pretty harsh, but it is the reality of it. And so it's not about how things looked on the outside for them, it, uh, or it was all about that, right? For us, it's not about the things that are on the outside, but it's about the desire within, and it, it's about what leads us to want to do the wrong thing, and that's for all of us across the board. So here's the thing. Sin always has a desire for something. Sin always has a desire for something, and guess what? It wants to take you along for the ride. It wants to take us all along for the ride because it always has a desire for something. See, if the heart is unclean, meaning the core of a person, if the heart is unclean, then sin will have its way. And this is why Jesus quotes Isaiah about the heart being far from God for these people. See, I don't know about you, but here's some things that I've noticed. A person can attend church, but their heart can be far from God. A person can read their Bible, but their heart can be far from God. Did you know that? A person can pray eloquently and perfectly, right? You, you know that person. You know what I'm talking about, right? You, you, there's that person in your life, you're like, man, they know how to pray. We were once told about somebody that they, their prayers reach, this person's prayers reach God. I didn't really see how that worked because I thought ours did too, but, but apparently this person was a very eloquent and great prayer, okay? But a person can pray eloquently and perfectly, but their heart can still be far from God. Did you know that? A person can sing beautifully, but their heart can still be far from God. A person can have extensive knowledge and training and and, and biblical knowledge or whatever. They can have extensive knowledge about God, right? Great theological training. But their heart can still be far from him. And so right now, maybe someone, uh, maybe you are in here and you have someone in mind and you're thinking, man, this person really could use this message, right? Right, I know somebody who needs to hear all of this stuff is what you're saying in thinking in your mind. And, and to that I would say, you are 100% right. And those people are you and me. We're the ones who need to hear this stuff, right? We're the ones who need to hear the difficult things about Scripture because if you read the Bible and you're just happy-go-lucky with everything you read, something's not right because it's gonna want to offend you, okay? We read things in the Bible and we have two options. We either adjust to it or we reject it and do our own thing. But many times we read things in the Bible and immediately what we think is, I know exactly somebody who needs to hear this. Let me put it on Facebook because that person might see it. Which we've deactivated our Facebook accounts because right now and maybe forever, it's the most divisive place on the planet. Okay? 
And I really don't need to know everything that everybody's feeling and thinking. Do you? I mean, honestly. So anyway, two cents right there. I'm on uh, Instagram, pictures of hummingbirds if you want to see them. It's <laughs> simple. It's simple and easy. Okay. Pictures are great. Anyway, back to the message here. So, who are the people who need to hear this? Well, let me just say, it's you and me, right? I get up every morning, I look in the mirror, and I say, Clint, you need to read your Bible, dude, and you need to let it change you, and this is what we need to do. And so, I'm reminded in this section here of Paul's letter to the Roman believers, and he spends all of what we know as chapter one. Anybody read Romans in here? Oh, it's good. All the hands should go up. You should go home and read Romans, but we're in Mark here today, so... I'm reminded of his letter, though, to the Romans. In chapter 1 in Romans, talking about, uh, Paul spends his time talking about the sin of the most notoriously guilty people, right? And breaking down an analysis of the human condition. Romans chapter 1 breaks down how badly the most notorious sinners, uh, you know, break away from God. And then his readers are like, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right, those people, they're bad people. And then he writes in Romans chapter 2 these words that are focused on those people who found themselves to be morally superior uh, to the evil wrongdoers from chapter 1, right? And so he writes to them because they judge the people from chapter 1 but okay themselves. You know what I'm talking about here. And so he writes in verse 1, he says, in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, or people, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. And he says in Verse 3, he goes on, he says, Do you suppose, O man, that you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So in other words, you who look down and judge other people, do you think your religious loopholes will make you more acceptable to God somehow? And aren't we guilty, regularly tempted to do the same thing? Aren't we regularly tempted to be guilty of the same thing? Have you ever thought that in your mind about somebody else? Like, man, thank God I'm not like them. Thank God I don't do that. Do we think religious loopholes that we find will do us any good or help us in any way? See, because we, we will naturally gravitate towards law for others and grace for us. And that's a dangerous place to live. Grace for others, grace for us. See, there's one way to deal with sin, and it's not to find some religious loophole, right, through it or out of it. 
There's one way to deal with sin and be made right with God, and it's not any of our religious loopholes that we might find. There's one way, and it's through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All of us, one hope, one way. There are no religious loopholes that will make us right with God. It's in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. So, when you're tempted to think about somebody else and how bad they are and what they're doing, just remember Romans chapter 2, right? It's not just Romans chapter 1, it's Romans chapter 2 as well. Because when we look down on other people and yet are guilty of similar things, we are doing nothing but bringing more condemnation on ourselves. Grace for them, grace for us. Grace for somebody else, grace for you. It's not law for somebody else and grace for you. Sweet. I don't know what that is, but. Back to Peter's account, okay? Back to Peter's account is where we'll go. Not long now, about another 45 minutes. Now, after Jesus' tongue lashing of the scribes and Pharisees, Peter and the disciples probably were a little worried about making enemies of the religious leaders, right? Uh, and here's the deal, because what he had to say to them was pretty offensive, really. It was pretty offensive. And so in, it, Jesus pulls them aside in, in Mark chapter 8, and he says this to them in Mark eight thirty one, And he began to teach them uh, uh, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. And so he pulls them aside and he starts to tell them those things. And Peter might have thought, well, gee, I wonder why these things are going to happen. Right? Every time we come into contact with these religious leaders, you throw them under the bus, you know. If they had buses in those days or throw them under the camel or something. But, but they, were, they were, you know, they were always like, he just dissed them big time. Right? They made an 80-mile journey and asked him a question, and he just totally said, hey, you're just a, somebody wearing a mask, dude, so don't even talk to me. I mean, that's basically it. Like, and so Peter might have thought, man, no wonder these things are going to happen. You humiliate them. Maybe it would be okay if you just pulled back a little bit, Jesus, and took it a little bit easy on them, maybe. Might not be a bad thing to have some friends, you know. But... Jesus would not pull back, and they had corrupted the way meant to point people to the coming kingdom of God. And he wasn't okay with that. And this is where Pastor Dave will pick it up again next week. Now, I remember when Kim and I pastored a church uh, north of Seattle, uh, we were we were in there one Sunday, and, and there was this family that came, and, uh, and they had a son who was running from God, okay? They had a son who was running from God, and, and here's the thing about what God does. They came in on a week where we had a, a four-week series going through Jonah. <laughs> and here's this family that comes in, and their son's running from God, Right? And if you know anything about Jonah, Jonah ran from God. And so this is what God does. He brings people together at just the right time, 
just the right moment, speaks just the right thing. And so they came in, and he was raised in church, but he had been running from God for a while, and he had been far from God for quite some time. And, and so that day after the message that was about Jonah running from God, and he knew that he had been running from God, he came up afterwards, and he came to talk with us, and he wanted to, you know, he wanted us to pray with him and pray for him. And so we did, and he's crying and just a mess that week. And he continued to come back weekly for a little bit of time, and he came back, and, and he didn't know what, he didn't know how to act in church, okay? He didn't know how, what he was supposed to do in church. And, uh, and, you know, he had shaved head, and he had big, sharp things in his ears, and piercings, and tattoos, and stuff, and he was this, he, he was this uh, interesting guy that, that was just, I mean, he, he had a soft heart, but but he didn't look soft on the outside. And he didn't know how to act in church, which I found super refreshing, to be honest with you, because we had quite a few religious loopholers uh, that were with us. And I remember, you know, there were, there were weeks where, where I'd be preaching, and, and I grew up uh, listening to music from the 80s, late 80s, and and there was this band from the late 80s. Like I, was, I remember talking about this band and something about them. And their, by the na their, their name was Dawkin. And I remember saying something about them. And, and right from the front row, he's like, hey, dude, they were in Everett last night. <laughs> you know, like, like, and I said, let's pray. So, no. But right from the front row, he just wanted to talk at me, you know. And so I just keep going, you know. And I remember another Sunday, you know, preaching and and looking over this way, and he'd all sit in the front row with his, with his family up here, and I'd be looking this way, and all of a sudden I heard some can crack open, you know, it wasn't a beer, don't worry, but, but I hear this, you know, and I'm like, oh, please don't be a beer, and I look over, and, and he's got like a Red Bull, you know, that he cracked open in the front row drinking it, and I'm not anti-Red Bull or anything, anyway, uh, so, so he, uh, he didn't know how to act in church, and, and let me just say, we had people who would tell us, if people come in here, they might not look like us, but we'll teach them how to be like us. And that always rubbed me the wrong way. Because I didn't want them to be, I wanted new people to come in for fresh blood, you know. And here's the thing about it. He didn't know how to act. His family just brought him. We accepted him. We accepted him in. But we had quite a number of people who judged him regularly based upon the things that he did that weren't the way that they wanted it to be. And man, that just, that didn't set well with me. He was judged regularly by people who wanted him to live by the traditions that they held over somebody coming in and experiencing the kingdom of God. And that's why we're not there anymore because we didn't agree with that either. These people placed a room over a person, a space over a person, right? A building over a person. And I love 
a great auditorium. But guys, God is no more in this room than he is in your room at home when you are spending time with him. This is a great room. But the people that we were with put rooms over people. And that wasn't okay. And so I want to ask you today to seek God with all of your heart on this issue. And this issue is to reveal, like regularly ask God, right, to reveal any way in you that might offend him and keep people he loves from experiencing the kingdom. Because that's what's important to him is people. And one final question that I would want us all to ponder regularly is, how's my heart? Not what mask am I going to wear today, but how's my heart? That's the most important thing. It's where it all starts. How's your heart? Would you pray with me today? Father, thank you so much for your goodness Lord, to each of us, God, thank you that you don't give up on us, but that you continually call us to you. And Lord, we get the opportunity to continually respond to you each and every day, each and every moment. God, if we are honest, if we would listen to you every moment, you might be speaking brand new things to us every moment. If we just come to you twice a day, maybe you'll speak to us twice a day. But Lord, if we have our ears open to you all day long, you will speak to us. So would you help us to be people who listen to you, who continually bring our hearts before you and say, God, if there's anything in me that offends you, Lord, would you change that? Would you make it different in my life? And may I walk forward being changed by you continually. Because our change is never one time and that's done, but it's continually walking and following you along the way, along the journey. We're so very grateful. You are good. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, I want to say thanks for coming today. If you have... uh, a communication card with you. It's probably on the seat next to you or in your hot sheet that you have. I'd ask you to fill that out. Uh, If there are prayer requests that we can join in and pray with you about, please do so. And I think right outside, you turn it into the connect desk right outside the back doors there. We'd love to pray with you. Our our staff gets together on Mondays and, and if there are communication cards that come in with prayer requests, we definitely want to pray for those things with you. If there's any change of information, please note that on there as well. But uh, we're so thankful that you guys have been here today. Uh, We have two services once again, two services starting November, uh, the the first Sunday in November. Two services is going to be 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. And then also today, uh, this morning, I want to highlight just really quickly here uh, some great uh, servants that we have in this place, and that is the sound and the, the media guys. They've worked really hard as we've been transitioning so much stuff uh, online and trying to make that a great experience for people to be able to connect to. 
And, uh, and so we just continually to work hard at that. But these, these guys and gals up there have done such a great job uh, putting that together. You give them a hand this morning. And let me just say also, we just like literally across the board, like we have so many great people who serve in so many different areas and every one of them is as vital as the next. And so we're just so grateful uh, for the servants here in this place. And so guys, thanks again for being here this week and may God's grace and peace be with you abundantly this week. All right. Thanks for being here. God bless you guys. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org, or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.